mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey everyone, how are you? I'm um, slowly getting used to becoming one of those podcasters who speaks directly into the microphone before the podcast even begins, even though my worst nightmare was being one of those podcasters who like, you have to fast forward 10 minutes of housekeeping before you get to the actual podcast. So this will be short, I promise you. Um, my novel, The Rachel Incident, is coming out on June 22nd. As usual, pre-orders are incredibly helpful. Um, honestly, <laughs> please, you cannot imagine how helpful. Um, and so it would be, I'd really appreciate it if you could pre-order it through the bookseller of your choice. Um, and some more good news, we're actually going to do a few um, live shows, Sentimental Garbage live shows, in order to celebrate the book. The first one is in London at Waterstones Piccadilly with none other than long-term friend of the pod, Dolly Alderton. Um, me and Dolly are going to be talking at Waterstones Piccadilly on Monday, June 19th from 6.30. I'm going to have a link in the show notes to where you can buy tickets. It will sell out very quickly because as we know, she is a superstar and uh, we will be you know, talking a little bit about the book, but also just doing a standard sentimental garbage episode. We're going to be taking some contributions from the audience about pop culture to talk about. So yes, we will be talking about And Just Like That season two just a little bit. The second event is in Dublin with the amazing Sophie White, who's um, a podcast extraordinaire herself and is also the author of The Hot Friend and Unfiltered, as well as Corpsing and just a bunch of amazing books. She's incredible. So that's going to be in the Bernard Shaw on the 28th of June from eight o'clock. And once again, I will put um, the link in the show notes um there'll be sort of like ticketing options um book and ticket will be one of them at both we will have like book signings afterwards both are going to be a massive party like it's going to be so much fun i really really can't wait to quite literally take this show on the road and if you are a cork listener or a monster listener in general, um, we're going to have a Cork launch party that's going to be ticketed because the Rachel incident is set almost completely in Cork and um, I really wanted to find a way to celebrate it with people who've kind of been with me since the beginning. So um, I don't have the full details on that, but it's going to be fabulous and um, please keep listening for more. Okay, I think that's it. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we apparently can't stop talking about Taylor Swift. My name is Caroline Donahue and no one sees what you lose when you're playing solitaire. And she damn sure never should have danced with the devil. It's Jen County. <laughs> Hello, friend. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Well, I and had... so soon. <laughs> <laughs> so very soon. Listen, mate, I had no choice. <laughs> um... So you came on a few weeks ago um, to do the Midnight's album mm-hmm. uh, by Taylor Swift, obviously. Um, and I immediately got the response of like, thank you so much for this episode. Jen County is amazing, something I've known for many years, but always happy to share with the wider audience. Um, but, you know, thank you so much. We loved it. Uh, however, what the fuck do you think you're up to? 
not covering the bonus tracks and uh, no amount of me DMing back with, we ran out of time, we had dinner reservations, <laughs> would say satisfy them. And do you know what? That's fair enough. And do you know what? I Because is it really a complete story, that bonus tracks? She released them for a reason. And that reason is for us to dissect them or not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it is such a credit to procrastination because um, when people started sending me those messages, I was like, oh, I better get Jen back in the room soon. And then we just kept, we, we left it a couple of weeks and yeah. we were both busy and bits. Yeah. We wanted to build the tension. And then she released more tracks. I know. It was like we knew. It was like we knew. <laughs> we, I mean, like, literally, it's, okay, it, it, the, the ground is constantly changing underneath us with Taylor at the moment. She's keeping us on our toes. And I don't want to feel like she released those tracks um, directly in response to this podcast because that would be massive self-aggrandizement. But I do feel like she released them because the world is on to her now and they know it's a very yes. album. Yes. And I also, I really admire that, like, if, you, if you're if um, you following the normal media, you may have picked up the following, which is that Taylor Swift had a boyfriend. They they broke up. Yes. She then rebounded with this guy from 1975 and his name is Matty Healy. And uh, then they broke up quickly afterwards. It's today's June 6th. It appears they have broken up. This literally today. Literally front page today, of a newspaper that we saw. The earlier. Sun. The Sun. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely nothing more important going on in the world than that. Yes. But if you just had the mainstream media, you'd be like, oh, you know, young famous person has mm-hmm. romantic stuff. If you have TikTok, which I do... You would be forgiven for thinking that, like, this was tantamount to a war crime. <laughs> it's been so. It's been a. It's been intense. And like, as we know, we're not Swifties. We're Swifter crats. Yes, certainly. I tell you what. Did this podcast? My algorithm was really like serving me some gas. Thing. It knew. It knew yeah. what we've been talking about, and I was like, "Wow, Matt Healy." is a real problem and I just <laughs> I felt that I didn't like when we like, last spoke I think I literally said I have no idea who that man is and, and now said, I have every idea you said a pop star for men and we were like cool and I was really happy to just go on with the world mm-hmm. and be like Taylor Swift's dating a man there are so many a men out there and then I then I started being served content about him and I was like no he's awful actually so um, I, I'm very supportive of this breakup the tone of the conversation around <laughs> Matty Healy has been about as urgent as SARS like it was Genuinely. it was like, like remember swine flu like it was like, it was like oh fuck it's coming yeah, yeah. but did I genuinely felt like I was like, oh, maybe people are being a bit, a bit, a bit oversensitive about Taylor Swift. They're being very protective. And then I saw a video of him talking, which was not one of the videos where he was doing the problematic yeah. things. Just a video of him being himself. And I was like, no, I get it. I 100% get it. <laughs> and horrible. I think I DM'd it to you and was like, oh no. Yeah. It's... He, he had the energy of James Corden, but in the body of like... Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's, it's a terrible combination. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, yeah, I mean, let's just take us through the timeline recently. Let's, sorry, yeah. And there's some things to say here. So, in to recap, April 23. April 23. Joe Alwyn and Taylor break up. Publicly. Publicly. Or, actually, no, neither of them have commented, so we don't actually know when they broke up. Yeah. May 3rd, The Sun claims that Taylor Swift and Matty Healy are madly in love. Mm-hmm. Between May 3rd and May 18th, there are many concert appearances. Many. May 18th, Caroline Donahue and Jen Cammy <laughs> release a Midnight's podcast posing the theory that Midnight's is a breakup album. Mm-hmm. May 25th, 
Caroline O'Donoghue is banned from Instagram. <gasps> <laughs> Sorry, what? I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I've been booted. I've been booted. <laughs> if anyone's been looking for me on Instagram, I literally logged in on May 25th and they said, you've been impersonating a public figure and uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. you're off the app. <laughs> and I have about 17 people who work at Meta who I've like, basically I've shaken every media chain because I've got a book coming out in two weeks. I need my Instagram to flog copies. I have no idea this happened. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, That's it's really fine. Stressful. I mean... But um, I've been like uh, shaking the meta chain of everybody, friends of friends yeah. of friends who have friends who work there. Got about 17 people on this thing. Can't get it back. I think it's Taylor. <laughs> Taylor Swift, if you've done this, stop. Stop this act of violence. Stop it. Was, it was done with love. <laughs> oh my God. Who okay. thought we were so sensitive and then Taylor Swift took my Instagram away? <laughs> Ginny and George at me. That won't stop. <laughs> that won't stop you. You're still going. Because you still get TikTok, and she hasn't gotten into TikTok because no one has. I'm like the Alex Jones of fucking Taylor Swift dialogue. I've been deplatformed <laughs> for telling the truth. For telling the truth. So she's taken away everything from me. Um, so good lord. Okay, sorry. It's just <clears throat> so. Anyway. It's much funner for me if I believe that Taylor Swift took my Instagram. To be honest, away. it's the best. You, they, believe, they weren't thinking you were impersonating yourself. It's just that you got too close to the truth. I got, yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is it. Um, and then so May twenty sixth, uh, Ice Spice, oh yeah, a young hip hop star, joins Taylor on tour, following uh, Matty Healy's. Uh, sort of jokes and insulting jibes at her on a podcast that has since been removed and scrubbed from the internet. Yeah, I mean you can you can definitely still find the what he did and not yeah. not good. Not not a thing where you can be like, oh, people have taken this out of context. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they did yeah. not. They did not. Bad times for Matty Healy. Bad times, and it's uh, it appears between May twenty sixth and June sixth today. Mm. Um, we sort of uh, Taylor has discovered the difference between having a bad boy rocker boyfriend mm. and having a racist boyfriend. Yes, and it is quite different because he is clearly a thin but very perceptible line. Has not not covered himself in glory on that front, has he? Yes. So that brings us up to today. Mm-hmm. Um, since in the in the in the past week, she's released more tracks. She's re- released a track with Ice Spice, which feels very much like a damage control. Yeah, and let's be fair, we all know it. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the one moment, which I previously discussed with you, uh-huh. where Taylor is singing "Karma Takes Me to the Summit," and Ice Spice goes, "Facts," which I think is. Absolute comedy genius. I'm not sure if it's meant to be, but I love that moment. Nothing else. Listen, I'm sure Ice Spice is really talented. But oh, me too, I imagine but if like... you're um, if you're rushing out a single to um, uh, cover a PR story about your weird boyfriend, uh... I would give it. If I were someone who had been on the receiving end of the kind of things Matt Healy had said, I too would give it the zero effort that Ice Spice gave <laughs> in that track. Yeah. Of course, I'd be like facts. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited okay. to check out her other work. Um, she's now totally. on my radar. Totally. And it's she great. great. And yeah. take that opportunity. But yeah, I really enjoy that she just sort of went for like, take them down from within. <laughs> by just speaking a little bit. <laughs> Love it. Sorry. Sorry. So we have a whole, basically we have a whole album worth. We have a whole album worth. We have a whole album. And interesting to note, of course, that the bonus tracks for Midnight's which was a 3am edition, were released literally like three hours after the main album dropped when it was in, yes. in October. So she dropped the album, mm-hmm. 13 tracks. 
And then I genuinely think it was at 3am. She was like, and here's some more. Nobody, nobody's ever been this gifted and this savagely business-minded. Wasn't there that thing recently about, I can't remember, some some question of something very, I don't know because I don't understand Bitcoin and crypto, mm-hmm. but there was some like crypto Bitcoin investment thing, yeah. which all the celebrities bought into and the only celebrity who asked about it was Taylor Swift and didn't invest. Like she is savvy. Uh, yeah. Savvy as shit. That woman. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're saying 3am came out. 3am came out three hours after midnight. Yes. yes. And then a couple of weeks ago, the... Is it till dawn or till morning mm, or probably it, yes again swiftocrats up all 50s, night some, up all night vibe yeah didn't sleep yes where there were additional tracks added we also discovered that there was a bonus track for people who shop at Target for midnights which we didn't know about because obviously we've yes. not been near Target in the last five months I don't think mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah and so were, yes we will be covering all the bonus tracks so yes. they will be coming the three a.m. edition but also. Uh, you're losing me, and it hits hits different. It's different. Which was the bonus track. We yes. will be covering these are the two songs all. that we had not heard. Yes, but we have now heard them. Don't worry. Yes, and we've listened. And we're also aware we don't have all the facts. We know that from a Reddit forum. A <laughs> Reddit thread covered the podcast and said something like, "Yeah, they they clearly have massive gaps in their knowledge." And we're like, "Yes, we do." Chat. It's like, well, thank you. <laughs> we do have gaps in our knowledge up front. Really, you know, we've gone deeper than last time. But yes. Still, Probably not that deep. Um, but we're ready to take... We're ready. Oh, you top up the wine. Topping up the wine um, here in this tiny little room. At your work. At my workplace. <laughs> then let's begin with... It's hot. It's sticky. Yeah. It's going to get mental. Oh. Off we go. Let's start with The Great War. The Great War. A song that when I first heard it, mm. honest to God, I was like, it's about Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I mean, she's, no, she's, she has come out and said she's a Game of Thrones fan and a lot of reputation was about Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> genuinely or inspired by it. Wow. Like it was an influence because she was watching a lot of Game of Thrones and that is yeah. quite an epic fantasy. And I was just like, I don't understand it. I guess it's probably about Game of Thrones, which is a real a real mm-hmm. leap to go on. Um, but now that I see it again in the context, and at this point, I don't see what was previously described as a thesis about Midnight's being a breakup album as being a thesis. I think it's just a proven fact. Yes. And our, our thesis in episode one has, by this point, been proven. It's now canon. It <laughs> is canon that Midnight's is a breakup album. And it's a, a very good song about lots of arguments with your partner. Mm-hmm. And it suggests... And the thing is, so recently... I've been uh, getting up in the morning, going to work, and I've been putting on my Spotify, and I've not been thinking, what will I listen to? I've been thinking, which Taylor Swift album will I put on today? <laughs> I've really Great. really gone through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is, even listening now, because I've listened to Lover quite a bit, and to Reputation quite a bit, and if you cast those in the light of Midnight's, there are quite a lot of songs on both of those albums which suggest that actually Taylor Swift's beautiful relationship was at times quite tumultuous. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, not always not always happy and quite often characterised by argument and by worry and suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, an example I will use will be Afterglow on uh, Lover, mm-hmm. which is all about basically having a big fight and then kind of getting through it. Mm-hmm. And some on Reputation, whose names I've forgotten, but there's all these songs about kind of fighting with this person mm-hmm. and it being right and like pushing through it anyway. And the which Great I War, think has been common through her... It has been coming through. I think. She always has a couple of songs on every album being like, yeah, I'm in love, but you piss me off. Kind totally. Of thing. But this one is a real kind of like 
getting in there, and, and it's interesting that she puts this at the beginning of this album, or being of this deluxe release of her album, because it is, again, quite a hopeful song. It's all about the night I nearly lost you, but then it's all about surviving the Great War. And it turns out that, a bit like in history, the Great War was just the first of probably two big wars. This is what I find so interesting. There was another one, maybe. (laughs) It didn't go so well. This is it. So the interesting thing about calling your song The Great War Mm. and having it being about um, the kind of mounting arguments and and suspicions and possible infidelity is that you think this... You know that feeling when you've had a massive fight with your partner and you Mm. think, like... That was the biggest fight we ever had, but I think we really cleared some new ground. Yeah, there's always room. That's it. People who who were living between World War One and World War Two, they were like never again. Yeah, they referred to it as the Great War <laughs> because they didn't see what was coming around the corner. Yeah, that's actually, and she must know that. Yeah. Again, she's too clever. She knows too much to not know that. Right. It's it's really smart. Like oh, I actually think. Oh, was she the, Easter egging even then for us? This is it. This is it! I think she was. And she even uses, I mean, she says crimson clover, and obviously crimson clover isn't a thing, but she probably didn't want to go too hard on poppies because yeah. it's just a bit a bit, a bit fashy, yeah. <laughs> but just a bit sort of off to be like, I'm comparing my big fight to one of the greatest like, conflicts of our generation. I was still at the title. But she's gone, she's used some very military sort of, she's used a lot of that kind of First World War language. language. I was thinking the same thing. I was mm. like... The you're, bombs were closed. You're, yeah. you're comparing your breakup to one of the great strategies of the modern age. It's like, imagine yeah. if she was like, it's like just below comparing your relationship to a great genocide. It's like. Yes. Which as we all know is what came after this war. Um, so, oh yeah. No, she, she was careful here. She was careful. Yeah. It went through a sensitivity redo this song, I'd say. I think it might have done actually. All that bloodshed, crimson, clover, sweet dream was over. She probably could have. Your put hand poppies. was the one I reached for. She probably could have put poppies in there. Yeah, I don't know. I also think it's kind of a lovely thing of like when you're having deep problems within a relationship, and those problems are so deep seated to the mm. point where you, there's no one else you can really talk to about it. Even if you were to talk to a friend about it, they still don't really get yeah. the emotional um, sort of the soil that has kind of gone under this. They don't really understand. And so often the only person you can talk to about a relationship breaking down is the person that the relationship breaking oh, down that's with. that's the worst. And your hand was the one I reached for all through the Great War, oh. you know? It's the worst. It is the worst. And suddenly I hadn't even thought about the fact that the Great War was, as you say, quite a knowing reference to the fact that there were more wars to come. Yeah. Oh, right? that's, that's why it, that phrase remains a, such a great irony within sort of 20th century history, really. Yes, it? it does, it does. Um... Oh, we survived. Oh, yeah, I'd always be yours because we survived the Great War. But interesting as well that she chooses to start the album with this song, or start as the same start, album. Yeah. Start start the bonus tracks with this song. So she's got to the end of Midnights and she's done Mastermind, Mastermind. where it's all. Like, she's such an upbeat. Yeah. Upbeat. I finished it on a high, and then she's just like, or did I? Yeah. Or has it gone dark again? Or because I mean, it's, it's again very interesting positioning because if we are talking about World War One and quote-unquote, the Great mm. War, as being this time of, like, oh, we didn't know there was a whole other bank of shit to come. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to begin your sort of side B of the album that everyone thought was finished yeah, on the a, Great War, like, it's good. not finished, cunts. <laughs> <laughs> so, hold that thought. <laughs> you think it was all over? It is not. So, what is the second song in this album? Okay. So, I, like, I don't know if you do, like, 
sensitivity warnings on this, but I do feel like this is probably one of the ones to just pre-warn. I don't think this song can be about anything other than something quite difficult. Yes. Which is pregnancy loss. Bigger than the whole sky you're about to talk about. Yeah, so maybe peace out right now or, peace or skip out. If five that's, minutes. If that's the thing, skip yeah. five minutes, maybe ten minutes, depends how much we talk about it and how deep we go. Yes. Um, obviously we'll be sensitive to it. But Tell me how you arrived on the theory, which I think is really spot on, that this is about pregnancy loss and not, say, about a relationship or a fling. Um, just listening to it once is how, <laughs> I, is how I did that, Caroline. I listened to it and I thought, my gosh, that's a song about pregnancy loss. And... This actually, I think, is really interesting because I think when I look at the bonus tracks of Midnight's, they are a bit more varied and they, like they are almost like the marginalia of Midnight's. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have the same narrative structure. I think that the main thrust of the album does, and this is almost like the I'm going through all this. This is my my Midnight's. My my big story is about a relationship that I love breaking down, but also how difficult it is to be me and to be in this position. And I think almost you see the 3am tracks as like the little, the side notes that's written in the margins. And so one there is about arguments and the second mm-hmm. one here. And I do think this is a, a lovely thing about Taylor Swift. We talked about this before actually, we were like, she might be very hard to date, but a fabulous person to be friends with. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is a song that almost takes you out of that kind of really zoomed in view of a relationship that's struggling to that kind of bigger life that you have. And to Taylor Swift is 33 years old. I would not speculate at all about her own personal life and what may or may not have happened to her. But I would say that I don't think you get to be 33 years old and be, as she clearly is, a really good friend to her female friends and not to hold someone's hand through a miscarriage. Like, we've all been there. Mm. It is an awful thing. It is a difficult thing. What can you say? You can't say anything other than, I see you and this is fucking horrendous and I am so sorry. Unless you're Taylor Swift, where I think you can write an incredibly heartfelt, almost lullaby for your friends. And I think that's what this song is. Like, the second I heard it, I heard the grief in it. But I think we were talking to a friend about this and we were saying, this isn't like um, uh, You'll Get Better, which is a song about her mum having cancer that she wrote Mm -hmm. on Lover. This is a song that it doesn't feel like it's about her experience. It feels like it's a song that she wrote for somebody else. Yeah. And the second I heard it, I was like... This isn't about relationships. Like, it's it's. Sorry, you were yeah. bigger than the whole sky. You were more than just a short term, short time term. Sorry, that's a bit of a, a thing that I did there. Um, I'm never going to meet what could have been, would have been, and should have been you. Like, I've held people's hands, and that's that's yeah. not something you say about a relationship that's ended. That's something you say about a pregnancy that that ended. Like, that is what it is. You okay there? Yeah. <laughs> Very moved. I just misting lovingly. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're right, hon. But like, that's that's what you say in those moments. That's that's not. Oh, I didn't. This relationship didn't quite work out. There's something much bigger and sadder. Like all this about did some bird flap its wings over an age? Did some force yeah. take you because I didn't pray? That's not a thing you say about a boyfriend. Like that is yeah. something else. And I think again, like you talked so so beautifully about this last time we met around the fact that like great art has great utility and she Mm. is a woman in her 30s and her fans are women of all ages but many of them have been on this journey with her from like bad boyfriends when you're a teenager to how do you cope with those moments when the people you love are going through this unimaginable loss and grief and how do you hold them for that how do you hold space for them how do you give them love and how do you make them know that they're seen and that their grief is real and I think this yeah. song does that and I, I love this song I as love much it. as you can love a song it's so sad and I get again I'm so convinced it's about a friend and not about yeah. yourself because yeah. it has this comforting as you say lullaby mm. quality to it where 
your friend is so deep in the misery of their own life and you and they and they're blaming themselves and they're like, oh maybe I didn't X, mm. Y, or Z, and that's why this hasn't come off. Uh, and and you see their rationalizing for the mournful, useless thing that it is, and you're like, no, it, it's not it's not some it's not because you didn't have drink enough milk or some bird yeah. flap that's wings in Asia or whatever. This is just one of these things and I'm so sorry and it's so sad and there's nothing I can say. But you, but you know, I, I've I've really been thinking about you, and I've written you this little song. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I I think it's, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing to have done for somebody, and you know, yeah. I, I hands up, I've got no team in this game. Like I have chosen always to be a childless person. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced pregnancy loss, and I think for that reason, um, people I know, both friends and just wider, find it easier sometimes to talk to me because I'm not going to be triggered by it. But yeah, like the yeah. most, like it, it, I think it probably is easy because I haven't got kids and I'm not like, oh, one happened to me, blah, blah, blah. I'm yeah. also not like, oh God, I'm going to worry about it. I'm just like, I don't want children. I love to like have my nephew and my friend's mm-hmm. kids. But when you're there, sometimes I think people um, who've lost pregnancies often almost feel like they're, they're not allowed to feel the grief. Because they're not supposed yeah. to have talked about it because it's not real until it's three months or whatever. But it is real. It's real from the second you find out. And I've seen that so many times. Yeah. Uh, I wish I hadn't, but I have because that is how biology works. And I just think being able to sit there and to go, I've heard you and I hear how much this hurts mm. and I feel how much this hurts for you and I'm grieving with you. That gives people the space to grieve as well, which they should have. And I think this song does that. Not it's, it. yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's beautiful. And... <laughs> you want to hear that was very heavy and very beautiful mm. sorry I went deep there you were like how did you know no. I was like I just listened to it I know but I just like... I'm so moved to hear you speak about that and um <laughs> when we when we were having this conversation initially with our friend Ella and <laughs> Ella has this weird sort of um you and I tell Tara that she kind of feels like a psychic sometimes, mm. where she sort of like glazes and sort of leaves the room for a minute and then comes back with something. With the answer. Yeah. With the answer. <laughs> and she said, and again, this is this is nuts. This is like, I mean. We're going to literary fiction right now. We're this, going this, to like, this is not Swifties. This is not Swifty mm-hmm, Pants. This is mm-hmm, literally fiction. This is complete fiction. Where she was like, I bet because Blake Lively has loads of kids and they have a very close friendship. Um, that it was probably her and I was like I started crying you there did. and then you at had. the thought you did you wept and then she said and I bet Blake Lively texted her saying all out to sea and, oh. and, and then the salute emoji and then I had to be excused <laughs> you did <laughs> you really did oh oh I bet it too yeah. <laughs> for some reason ever since she said that I'm like that's the facts of what happened. Yeah, that unfortunately, and now I will be, now I'll be I will be banned from more social media apps. <laughs> yeah, every single app is taking you down for this. But yeah, I think whoever it was, and like, listen, I wish that I could say it was just one friend, but I just don't think you get to be thirty three yeah. and have just one friend who's gone through this. Yeah. So this this point in the marginality, we go straight from having a big fight with your boyfriend to, but sometimes, do you know what? Other things happen in the world. Yeah, and those. And I think almost that that interposition of the Great War, which is kind of like an overplay of, as you say, a fight mm-hmm. about relationship to... And then sometimes these really fucking tragic things happen. Yeah. Which is 
quite a lot harder than having a fight with your boyfriend. I don't think it's an unintentional choice to put the next one another. And even the bigger than the whole sky thing is oh. the like, it's almost like that moment when you've been going through some really petty bullshit mm. and then you catch up with a friend and they're like, yeah, my dad died. And you're like, fuck, <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Like, I, st- <laughs> I still vividly remember this moment where I'd had a very bad few years of my life, which you were a PowerPoint for me about, which was hilarious. Um, and I was telling someone about the bad time I was going through and she was like, yeah, um, you know, I had a similar experience recently. Like, <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast because I don't see her anymore. So, but she went, anyway, she went, yeah, my friend's cat jumped out of the window last week. And I was just like, that's not what? <laughs> like, I was talking about things that happened to me that were bad yeah. and why I was quite sad. And then she was like, yeah, my friend's cat jumped out of the window last week. People are freaks. And I was just there being like, one of these things is not like the other one, to quote Taylor. I was like, the, this and the, the cat, was the cat okay? She was like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we had to take it to the, to the vet. It was a big shark. A big shark. I was like, but it's a cat. Like, it, the, famously. Famously bouncy. And it wasn't even like a high window. I was like, was it like an eight story window? No, no. That's fucked up. It was an indoor cat that got out. And I was like, I don't think we can compare that. To what's just happened, can we? But sometimes it yeah. happens in life. And I think in Bigger Than The Whole Sky, Taylor Swift kind of contextualises and mm-hmm. goes, this was happening to me, but also this is what was happening in the wider world. And yeah. this is the thing that I saw as a friend. And I do think she must be a phenomenal friend. I think so too. Even though she blocked you on Instagram and got you taken Even off. Even though she blocked me on Instagram. <laughs> Even though she got you off Instagram. She has. She deleted my account. <laughs> Fine. Maybe I deserve it. Mm. Um, the next song is Paris. I love Paris. <laughs> okay, I had a real revelation about Paris. Okay. Week, which um, <laughs> I'm quite embarrassed about, but because I was listening to this again, so obviously I knew we were going to do this podcast, and I was like, I'm going to listen to these songs and make sure I've got real thoughts about them. Um, and until last week, I genuinely believed that the song chorus went... Because we were in Paris. Not like we were in Paris, which is what it actually is. Oh. And I just thought... Yeah, that's what I thought it was There's a song about going on a lovely holiday to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Oh, it's about something being so good, it's almost like you're in Paris. Yes, and this is, I think this is one of those things where almost it's a transatlantic mis- mistranslation. Because as we all know, American people idolise Paris. We've They're obsessed. They want to fuck Paris. We've all seen the show. We've all seen what Emily's been up to. <laughs> and, and the thing is, Paris is like this beautiful far away place that you can never get to because it's just so expensive and it's so far and obviously if you live in the UK and specifically if you live in London or indeed East London as I do it is easier for me to go to Paris and cheaper and less stressful than to go to Plymouth which I had to do at the weekend so going to Paris I'm not saying I do it all the time but it's 10 to 7 we could go to Paris now if we wanted to we could literally (laughs) walk out of this room and for a lower cost than it would cost me to go to Manchester I could go to Paris and maybe we we will. Who knows? This episode is sponsored by Eurostar. <laughs> We're going to Paris. Do we have an offer code for our listeners? Get involved quickly, guys. So this song is all about like like we were in Paris, and it's all about this kind of experience that basically isn't real, which is for me a really interesting point about this song because I thought it was. I was in Paris with my boyfriend. Yeah. Also, like, bear in mind, the boyfriend we're talking about lived in London, so he gets it. So he doesn't care about Paris either. Paris is, like, he's very close. Yeah. <laughs> he can go, he probably goes a lot. Um, but she's written this song all about this sense of kind of, I was 
out of the real world. I was living in this kind of dreamscape, like I was in Paris, which um, we understand for the American listener is a metaphor for not the real world, rather than a sometimes slightly scabby town a few hours <laughs> to the to the yeah. And it's all about this sense. It really fits into lavender haze. Like I'm so in love, I might stop breathing. Drew a map on your bedroom ceiling, like looking up at the bedroom ceiling. Yeah. All that kind of like sexy, lovely time. And again, all that stuff of kind of like. Cheap wine, make believe it's champagne. Like yeah. she can obviously afford champagne, but you know what I mean. That's saying? the thing. It would it would be a more earnest song. I mean, I love the song. I think it's such a I love it. so great. It makes me so happy every time I hear it. The way so I feel fun. happy every time I hear like a Paul Simon song. I'm like, I just like I'm just like bouncing down the street when it's on. Um, but it's like from a younger artist, it would probably mean more because like the entire time you're like, yeah, I mean. You can go to Paris whenever you want. <laughs> you don't have to make believe like anything is champagne. Yeah. You can buy champagne. You famously have a private jet. You can go to Paris. Yeah. Even well, maybe without loans. <laughs> <laughs> More easily than I can. But, um, but yeah, um, I I think it's a lovely thing of... And again, even though it's something I keep coming back to, I put it on a t-shirt, great art having great utility, mm. is... Um, this is obviously a very famous person who can afford to go to Paris, but it does speak to a kind of... This, to me, there's no better feeling in the entire world than when you've forgotten to look at your phone for like a day oh, and a half. Oh, so great. And you're just like, sorry, I was just too busy fucking and having a nice time to <laughs> meet your WhatsApp. <laughs> it's so... No- yeah. And I think of someone like leaving like 12 things being like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I was, it was like I was in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that this is this is clearly the, the beginning of her relationship because it's all about sort of privacy sign on the door on oh, my page and on the whole world. Romance is not dead if you keep it just yours. Yeah. She just kept things quiet and it's about the fact that she doesn't like to share everything yeah. anymore. Or at least just in her songs but not in her real life. Yeah. And there's that lovely line about shade. Mm. Oh my God, which refers, of course... Not the kind that is thrown, but the kind underneath where a tree has grown. Yeah. Which I find very sweet. And so a reference to Lover, I think. Yeah. And Jade, and they do, she says that quite a bit. But I yeah. do, I do wonder again if there is something, and again, not for every artist would I do this, but I just think Taylor Swift thinks about stuff so deeply. Mm-hmm. And I think she kind of goes layer upon layer in her, in her writing. And... The, the top level reading is Paris, Emily in Paris. There's an Eiffel Tower there. I wear a fabulous outfit. Mm-hmm. I trip around. There are peonies. It's lovely. But the other level is just kind of like, but, but the Paris of particularly the international mind is not real. Paris is actually, like, oh. it's real fun, obviously. But it's also, it's a bit, it, like London, it's a yeah. bit grim. Like you go to the wrong yeah. bit of Paris, you stay in a youth hostel in Clichy, and you're, <laughs> which I have done, and you're like, oh, Paris is real shady. And like, it is shady, and it's kind of gross. And yeah. There's a little bit of that sense of we were in this lavender hay, this imaginary world, where it was like we were in Paris, but Paris isn't real in, in, in the way that... That Paris I'm, isn't real. That's not real Paris. Sex and the City yeah. Paris is not real Paris. Emily in Paris Paris yeah. is sometimes real Paris. But even Sex and the City Paris deals with the fact that the Paris Carrie Bradshaw wants isn't the Paris yes. Carrie Bradshaw gets. And the, Car- the Paris that Carrie Bradshaw gets is still pretty fucking great. Like, <laughs> I know, and they were like, it's so disappointing. And like, yeah. it's... There is something there in the fact that she bought into this idea of this relationship and it was like Paris, but it was yeah. like dream Paris. And yeah. was, nobody knows better than someone who's dating a London boy, or on my scooter, that Paris is not actually always that wonderful. So I think there's just something, I think she's just... There. 
I love this about her. I love that she's kind of always just breadcrumbing into her work. Little hints. Great. Um, high infidelity. High inf- Okay, this is a song that I feel so curious about. Mm. Because... Is it creative writing? Is it her being like, we be cheating out here? Do you know what I mean? Because there's almost a little bit of... Like, it's literally in the title. Like, high infidelity. Part of this, to me, goes... It's a confession of infidelity. And part of me goes, she would never. And part of me goes, double bluff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You're so right. It's so specific. She'd be like, they'll never think it was actually anything. What happened? What happened? I don't know. What happened? Is it it creative writing? Is it her charting another path, which many creative people do where they go, Mm -hmm. if I had just done this thing on April 29th, what would have happened? Yeah. Is it something that actually happened? It's definitely. It's so strange because, I mean, this is, I don't know how much of a reach this is, but literally everything we've said today has been a reach. So mm-hmm. <laughs> let's keep reaching. But like, it reaching. came out so close to the January 6th insurrection. Mm. That, and and that, is, that, that kind of conversation beat of being like, oh, is, am I right, January 6th? Yes, that was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, but like that kind of um, conversational meme or joke of like, oh, where were you then? You're six uh, kind okay. of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the April 29th thing, it's just something about something majorly disruptive to her mm. life, relationship. I don't know why you would pick April 29th. I know lots of TikTok people have opinions on and theories, which I, I'm not going to shame tiktokers for coming up with opinions like it's worse <laughs> than a podcast for coming up with opinions but something something must have happened or yeah it's the double bluff thing of like surely taylor swift would never tell you all the tea yeah. or would she kind would of thing she? what if she did and like april 29th i think we can either maybe something happened Maybe she cheated. Who knows? Like, she's not above that, I'm sure. No, like, no one's above that. No one's above that. We all have these moments. Maybe he did. Maybe she thought about it and then she didn't and she wrote this song about the potential. But, like, April 29th, she could have chosen, chosen any date that vaguely rhymed with eyes. And there's quite a few, like, fives, <laughs> n- nine, any of the nines. Yeah, I don't want to sit there and go, oh, definitely cheated or whatever, but... My God, I think she was thinking about it. And getting back to that marginalia point, like, mm-hmm. there was clearly some point where maybe she met someone and was just like, mm-mm, I could, though. Yeah. Does, does she? Doesn't she? Who knows? But she thought was about it. Was it Matty Healy? I mean, there's... Oh, God, what if this was, like, a coded message to Matty Healy to be like, <laughs> I thought about it on... Oh, God. I Hope thought I'm... about it a lot. I mean, they, they, the two of them have known each other a long time, so... They have. But, oh, you're keeping count. So... All I can say about this is I think there's something there that maybe only she will ever know. And perhaps, I really hope that one day... So, this is very specific, but you know T.S. Eliot? Poet. No, only through you. Okay. T.S. <laughs> Eliot, very famous poet. Yes, I know him, the cats, um, yes. He did cats. No. <laughs> he actually, the writer of the musical they cats. He actually wrote the musical. Yeah. <laughs> he did not. He wrote some poems that someone, for some reason, thought were like, yeah, cool, make that into a musical. And they wouldn't if they'd read everything else. But um, T.S. Eliot, famously, when he died, basically, or before he died, said he didn't ever want a version of his poetry published which had a gloss on his text and he's very elusive like he a gloss a gloss so he his his poetry is extremely dense and mm. there's loads of like metaphor and allusion to different 
different kind of like bits of literature or things that happened in his life. And he basically put as much as you can do as a person who writes a ban on anything being published until 100 years after his death of anyone mm-hmm. publishing with a glossary on his text. Oh, that's a, that's a fucking baller move. It's not like he saw what would happen on the internet. And yeah. I think in, I think we've just gone out of copyright for him. So he, you're now beginning to get books of poetry published where you can have like, you can look it up and there can be like asterisks and you can go, oh, T.S. When he says mm, Philomena, it means blah, 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 blah. It means this or this is a reference to this. But he wanted his, po- his poetry. That's cool. Isn't That's it? That's fucking cool. So cool. Yeah. He wanted his poetry to be read as a kind of like quilt of like bric-a-brac where he's like, I put it all together and I don't want you to think about what fits underneath it and what all the different bits were. I want you just to read it as a piece mm. of art and I want you to appreciate it and to feel it in your heart. And I don't want you to be dissecting the bones of it. And I sort of really hope that at some point in Taylor Swift's life, like a hundred years after her death, she'll release, there will be some like time capture where she goes, and here's what they all referred to. Here's the, here's the glass, my friends. Which is not what, what T.S. Eliot did. Um, I went, I, I'm about to call him Taylor Swift Eliot. I know, we're talking about the great T.S.'s on this podcast. <laughs> he never left that glass, but it's now happening. People have sort of dissected him a lot. But you you can't do it. You can't read. You, before a few years ago, you couldn't buy a T.S. Eliot book of poetry and get like all the references. And I think Taylor Swift is doing the same thing. And I just hope one day there'll be something. Yeah. We might not be alive for it. It might be in like... <laughs> The year 2100, and someone, and it will finally be released on the April yeah. 29th, 2022. That is Taylor so Swift did this! Her! It's the kind of thing she would do. Oh and I my fully god. believe it. We are so going to get releases after her death. I mean, we'll be dead too. Yes, I think she will outlive us. She's, oh, she's older than me, excuse me. Oh, you're right. <laughs> she will outlive us, and all I can do is just be like, to my. Um, sort of great nibblings uh, please can you do a seance once it's released and like let me know through the ether what happened because I must it's know only fair. it's only fair they do that please tell me um, we're coming up to a song I don't care for which is Glitch Glitch yeah but okay I don't care for it either it's boring <laughs> it's boring that's it it is boring but I would like to pull out two points on Glitch the first one is this one right in the middle of the song it's been 2,190 2, days of our love black out. And if you divide that by 365, you get exactly six. It has been exactly six years of our love blackout, and the following line is the system's breaking down. So, so she really could not have been more clear. She really couldn't. You don't need T.S. Eliot's glass for that, do you? No, you don't. You just need a little calculator. <laughs> and who's been in a relationship for six years? Joe Alwyn, who we've been kind of to so far, we haven't even spoken about him. But no, I think we we spoke enough about both him and his immediate family. <laughs> Do you know what? If it wasn't, in the last episode, if it wasn't Taylor Swift who got you off Instagram, it was someone who objected to the words "darling, darling." We know loads of famous people. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was Emma Thompson. It was Emma Thompson. She dated. She's it. behind me, no longer being on Instagram. I'm taking her name in vain. By the way, while you're looking at the lyrics there, I just want to say to everybody, it's really stressful that I don't have an Instagram account anymore because I've got a book coming out in two weeks. So could you always do me a solid and order it and buy it? It's called the Rachel Incident. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. I've just given a proof, and I've read everything else Caroline has written, and it's going to be fantastic. I'm really, so, I'm really good at writing books, books everyone. Can you, can you just do me a fucking favor? I've given you so much for free. If you like this podcast. <laughs> Which you obviously do because you're listening to it. You're listening to a part two. 
This is not even her main job. This is her side hustle. She's a phenomenal writer. Nobody anyway. ever says that. It's not Thank your main you. job. This is, your main job is writing things. You're amazing. Anyway. That was good. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that's that's okay. The other thing was <clears throat> a brief interruption, a slight malfunction. I'd go back to wanting dudes who give nothing. And do you know what she did, right? <laughs> Just a little throwback there. Mm. Back to, uh, yeah, Waste Man. Waste Man, Maddie Healy. I had, so I had, I, I was doing an event a couple of weeks ago. Um, at the Bath Festival with the lovely Juno Dawson. Mm. And we talked about various things in the green room beforehand, one of which was theories about Taylor Swift. And she was like, it's really interesting that, yeah, for all that clearly stuff went wrong, Joe Owen for Taylor was probably actually quite a balancing influence because she's so famous. I suppose she's about Kevin Federline. <laughs> but like, there is that thing of just like, actually, maybe that, you know, it probably was really nice for her to, mm. to be in a relationship with a man who... Right, you're wrong, Yeah, he was, was the first was very unimpressed by fame mm-hmm. and not actually, as we all know, sweet nothings, which I still think is the greatest insight that anyone's ever had about Taylor Swift album, written from his perspective. Like, Joel wasn't wasn't really in that world. And, like, yeah, actually, don't be too harsh on him. He probably gave her something she couldn't have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And now she is back to the dude to give nothing except problematic remarks on podcasts. Batty Healy. So again, and let's face it, good music. I think 1975 do make. I've never heard any of their music. And sounds like you won't either. No, because I only listen to Taylor Swift (laughs) and Lord and Studio Ghibli instrumental soundtracks. That's all you need. Really, it is actually. (laughs) One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Glitch, we're passing over Glitch. Would have, could have, should have. Would have, could. Okay, so we talked about this a little bit last time we met. A tiny bit for a single yeah. second. And the, what we said about this was um, Midnight's was supposedly an album, just like a sort of jukebox of Taylor Swift's 20s. And yes, we were like, which is, that was literally how it was advertised. Bottom. It was so <laughs> saying, this is all the times in my life. I've been up real late, like midnight. Mm. It's like, no. We all stay up till midnight and not even realise it's happened. Yes, like, it's, it's my bedtime. It's like, yeah, <laughs> the most grown-up's bedtime. Like. <laughs> and even beyond. Yeah. But this is the song I mentioned. That this is this is about John Mayer. Yeah. I fully believe it. Do you know what? I still don't really know who that man is. Me neither. So, all I know is that, one, he's famous in America. Yeah. And two, he was a cunt. 
Yeah, and, and it continues to be a kind. Yeah. And this song, like, I feel a lot of things about it. But I was having yeah. just chatting about what I feel about things, and I'd like, first of all, to ask, what do you feel about would have, could have, should have? Oh, you, wow. the podcast host. I turn, I turn it back upon wow. you. What do you feel? Because I've got a lot of thoughts and not feelings. <sighs> okay, so last time we met for this podcast, the um, during our little um, Swift Again that we held just the two of us in the mm-hmm. basement of the uh, Austrian hotel. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the songs where I had to sit down. You did. And have a little moment to myself. And it was also one of the moments where I realised that, like, maybe she is the Bob Dylan of young women. Mm-hmm. And I and when I say of young women, I do not mean that that is, like, a to reduce the compliment. I mean that to enhance the compliment. I mean that she is talking about... She gives a lens to young women's experiences that are so um, both broad and specific to make them like highly valuable and poignant. And for me, personally, like I'm somebody, I've joked about it on the podcast before, but when I was really young, I had a slew of boyfriends who were quite old. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking me ages sort of 16 to 19 going out with people who are ages like 26 to 31 Mm. you know like fucking freaky age Mm -hmm. gaps and what this song gets at is the feeling that and this is something I I feel I genuinely do feel sometimes in sort of the dark nights of the soul of like that your innocence was sort of marked to the point where it has a domino effect on the person that you are now Mm. and that it makes you a somewhat a dark or odd individual that is out of I'm sorry no this is my this is my truth (laughs) um it makes you kind of a dark or misshapen individual that these are years years and experience you can't and will not get back um but that um for all the regrets you might have about them or the anger you might feel towards the men who treated you in a certain way that you still cannot deny that you were deeply excited by this experience Mm. at the time and can you bastardize the young girl who was excited by experience and excited by touch Mm. and excited by older people and how can you can you ever when you are on a podcast and making or in a conversation or at a party and making funny jokes about the horrible men that you knew as a young person can you ever slice that off from its own Siamese twin, which is, but part of me loved it, and does mm-hmm. loving that make me gross and weird? Oh. <laughs> and thank you for asking me that, because I genuinely have been having some quite um, solitary moments with that song. And what again, great art, great utility, <laughs> you know? It does, it has that, and I just... I'm so sorry to hear that. And I know I've, we've talked before about it, but it's just, I do you think that is an experience that, that too many women have? And what I really like about this song is that actually she acknowledges probably how exciting it was, but she never makes it her fault. She, yeah. she's, she has grown enough to be able to look at the, the 19-year-old child that she was and to go, you what else were you supposed to do when yeah. a grown man looked at you that way and made you feel so special? And I think this is a really important song, particularly for young women to hear. Yeah. 
about the fact that it's so easy to make it your fault and to be like, oh, this, you know, she was wearing miniskirts and she was so, and she seemed older than she was. Yeah. Real old soul. Real old soul. And I just think it's such a, like, I was thinking about this and, and, you know, we talked about the fact that this is not the jukebox of Taylor Swift's 20s. But this is the one exception, and this is, I say, it's the one where you go, this is about something from the past. But I think the reason it's come up is we all, not me, not which I say we all, not all of us, but probably a lot of people have experiences in their romantic life which colour the rest of their understanding of relationships. Mm. And whether that happens when you're 19 or whether it happens when you're a bit older, doesn't really matter. It happens, and it's a thing that you can't get past. And, like, I read it as someone who... I was not someone who dated when I was in my teens because I was real square. But <laughs> I really was. <laughs> uh, and But I did have a very bad, very bad relationship in my 20s, which you, of course, were a witness. Privy to, yeah. Privy to. Um, and I am careful of talking about because I think he would be litigious. But let's just say <laughs> it's exactly as bad as you think it was. And... <laughs> Like, I look back at my relationships and most of them I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, that one didn't work out, but I learned something. Mm -hmm. But that is one relationship I look back on and I hear that line, I regret you all the time. I regret you all the time. And I feel that about that relationship. I feel that. Like, if I ever remember that man, if if I see someone in the street who looks like that ex, who will remain nameless because he's probably litigious. (laughs) No, he genuinely is. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. um, I see a man who looks like him and I would cross the street and I'm like, I regret you all, all the, the time. time because he changed my understanding of myself he broke me down he made me not trust in in anyone who was a man for years and it made me feel like I was wrong it took me so many years of therapy to get through and to realize that actually it wasn't me it was this absolute asshat <laughs> who I dated and who I let have power over me and I think to write a song I say for women and particularly for young women to go like these people exist and it's not your fault that you end up in their path and they see you and they're like, that's a pretty thing and I want it. That trinket is mine and I shall have it and I shall break it. Is a thing that happens yeah. and it's not on us. And, you know, that line that I think we've probably all heard, give, you, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first. Oh, give which, me back my girlhood, it was mine first. Just this, the taking, the taking and just, now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts, memories feel like weapons. Like, I feel that, like, you know, yeah. I, for the first time in, in many years, I'm in a healthy, happy, loving relationship. With such a nice man. With such a nice man. <laughs> and I am in therapy having to be like, it brings up so many ghosts. Yeah. Like every yeah. time he doesn't react the way that my most significant ex reacted to things, I'm like, sh- I am shocked. And I still live in this kind of slightly like traumatized world, which I wish I didn't. I didn't think I did until I got into a good relationship. And suddenly it's back. And I think this is about the long shadow that those relationships can cast on you. And I actually think in some ways, when we talk back to the big thesis, like this is something that would have affected her. Like if she got into a loving relationship in her late 20s, like you can't just be like, oh, that that horrible thing with John Mayer didn't happen. Like it did happen to her. And it probably is part of the reason why she didn't feel safe and she didn't feel entirely confident and maybe that they had all these fights and I think this does have a real place on this story of yeah. the breakup because a bit like we talked about Midnight Rain like this is part of this is part of who you are it's part of how you've been it's built it's, so it's part of your attachment style it's part of yeah. how you relate to men and I just yeah and 
And also that it was a succession of people. Yes. Her. It was John yeah. Mayer, but it was also Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. you know? And um, and the uh, the identities of the men aren't even important. It doesn't, you know? yeah, it doesn't matter who they were. It matters that she was just... Yeah, um, like she, and if what, and if I was just a, was a child, did it matter? She was so young, and she was yeah. so exposed, and she was as all young people are made to feel that they are older. But also, as yeah. so many women are, so many women who yeah. who grow tits early and look a bit older than they are, like yeah. are treated as though they are grown women with all the experience and boundaries yeah. and self awareness that women have, and they don't have it, and and it's made to be their fault. Yeah, this is like, we, on a previous episode of the podcast um, with my friend Marion O'Connell, we both talked about how we were both let into clubs and we were chatted up and whatever mm. because we were tall. Yes! And then on the realisation of, while we were talking, I sort of said, like, were we tall or were they just willing to let us believe that we were in the club because we were tall? Mm. <laughs> like, is it actually just, like, youth? Mm. Everyone wants to drink from the fucking fountain of youth. Yeah, And do. we will give you reasons, but the reasons aren't real. It's just that everyone's kind of a fucking rapist. <laughs> like, everyone's do you know what I mean? Kind of a horrible pederast, and it's just, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think with this song again, like, she... Like, I don't know, I don't know about Taylor Swift's kind of personal life in terms of her relationship. I with... almost don't care. No, but I know it to... seems like we care a lot, but I care about what I project on and no, then use for myself. I think, like I don't know about her relationship with religion, but it's interesting she's used so much religious language in the song. Like it's very yes. kind of Catholic in its you know uh, very Victorian the devil, Gothic. Like, yeah, it is yeah. that kind of thing of stealing of innocence. And of course like we all become adults and lose our innocence, but there's this there was a theft from her, it feels like it feels like she was kind of something was ripped away from her. And, yeah, I think there's a real candour that I admire in sharing this song and, and almost being, like, in the margins of this story. This is one of the things that shaped me, was this horrible relationship with older men. And not everyone has a horrible relationship with older men. Yeah. She clearly did there. But certainly this sense, looking back, and um, with compassion for her teenage self, that she wasn't really able to deal with what happened to her. Yeah. And probably over and over again. And yeah, Taylor Swift. Big. It's a it's a great it's a great work. And it's also a real banger. Like you can yeah. really scream that one out. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're in the house, you can just if you you got your music on, you can be like, Ugh! yeah, screaming. You I regret scream. you all the time. Yeah, that is a public service it's to give cathartic. give people that thing to scream along to yeah. is a public yeah. fucking service to art. And I yeah, I really appreciate that she did it. I I too appreciate it, and I won't say that everyone has someone they regret, but I think most people do. Yeah. Coming on to what's technically the final song of Midnight's technically before the extra releases, Dear Reader. I love Dear Reader. Oh, Dear Reader. This is one that, like, again, I feel like we almost sort of didn't speak to it last time, but we did a little bit, which is this thing of, like, Dear Reader is obviously, like, written from the perspective of, an agon- of kind of an agony aunt. Yeah. And it's just this kind of acknowledgement of herself as not actually being the person you should always take advice yeah. from. Like you said at the beginning, she's the same age as us. She knows exactly as much about romance as we do, which is not all that much. Because <laughs> we're still yeah. young. And just, oh. And yes. it's, it's interesting as well, in light of the press around her and Matty Healy. Mm-hmm. And yes, okay, Matty Healy's a problematic guy or whatever. He said a bunch of really insensitive stuff. Um... 
and and I hope he has to answer for that in his own yeah. time. But the idea that Taylor Swift's boyfriend was treated as though it was an elected role, <laughs> that there was some kind of election rig, yeah. and we all had to protest the appointment yeah. of Matthew. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I don't agree with that. That, <laughs> yeah. that should not be him. The idea that like she is treated as though she is an elected official or some or mm. representation or like, and and yes, I know she's in the most famous woman in the world, but also like. She, like, this song is very much like please don't look to me yeah. to be either guidance or a symbol or like anything other than a person who's making art yeah, she, exactly. at she, a pretty she, high level you she's, know everyone's all like you're really, you should be responsible you should be thinking about this and this and this it's like no you're a woman who makes songs about your life yeah. and they will not be perfect and you're in your 30s and if you're not yeah, you know, you're not actually an agony aunt. She's not actually an agony aunt, and she's yeah. not. No one is paying her money to or give advice an activist to or a humanitarian or a public official she's or the president of a country. She is merely a musician. <laughs> she's just a musician, and uh, yeah, she too much is put on her. And you're right; she is in the position of great power, mm-hmm. sure, but she's still just a person. Yeah, she's not the president of the United States. She's not the queen. No. She's not. Yeah, she's not even, as I say, she's not even an ambassador for the UN, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she's not Joe Biden. Anything? She's not yeah. even Jeb Bush. She's not even Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Joe. Um, I just, oh, there's one, yeah, the one that I think you texted me today, no one sees when you lose when you're playing solitaire. Again, going back to our central thesis, which I consider to be canon now, like, you wouldn't take my word for it if you knew who was talking, if you knew where I was walking to a house, not a home, all alone, cause nobody's there. Like, yeah. she was telling us, she was telling the world right then that that relationship was not actually... Yeah, she was alone. She was alone, a lot of the time. <sighs> yeah, that line, no one... I love that song in general, but mm. that line, no one sees when you lose when you're playing solitaire, really speaks to me because it's like... This idea that you're sort of holding yourself apart from everything and mm. that is the only defence you have against people who are waiting to see you fail mm. is to just exclude yourself. And so the idea of just being the most famous woman in the world playing solitaire in her hotel bed, you know? Mm. Like, it's, it's fucking, yeah, it's sore. I do think, interestingly, that there's this line, I prefer hiding in plain sight and given this was the, the final song of the deluxe edition of the album she released, where, like, she's hiding in plain sight. She did hide in plain sight, I think, for that whole album, where everyone was like, don't know what it's about. What a great album. And she's like, I'm hiding in plain sight. The truth is here. Yeah. I am not actually that happy and things have been difficult for me. She was telling us. She was telling us. Oh. And she was like, while you were, I mean, while you were busy sort of projecting all of your personal mm-hmm. issues onto me, I am... Falling apart. Yeah, she is. I also enjoy her uh, subtle reference to Legally Blonde in this song. Oh, go on. Bend when you can, snap when you have to. (laughs) Oh my God, bend when you can, snap when you have to. Bend and snap. (laughs) Oh my God. She has time for levity. <laughs> She's funny. She's she, a funny woman. Her pop culture references are always <laughs> funny. When she says, it said in um, Lover, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> That's literally from Towie. <laughs> She's so funny. But she does end with, you should find another guiding light. 
but I shine so bright. I know. And the also the um the harmonies on that song, the, mm. the that sort of warped voice going, You should find another I, it was it's almost like she's trying to hide it a little bit. Like, do you feel like when she was recording that, she might have just sung that with her voice and someone was like, Let's just vocode that so it's not so obvious what she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> You have to really listen. Yeah, to so she's, what she's, she's not saying. actively dissuading people to stop idolizing her and therefore depleting concert sales. Yeah, yeah just, exactly, exactly. Like, sit, she was like, I want to yeah. end this with, please don't listen, please don't trust me all the time. And yeah. whoever did the that's mix. Not, that's not good for the brand. It's like, can we just like, blah, 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 uh, make it sound like you're like a soup dragon from the clangers. <laughs> <laughs> end it that way. She does sound like a soup dragon. She does in that particular ending. But she does shine so bright. We all know it. She's a shiny lady. But self-referencing. Okay, so we're nearly at the end. I know you're looking at me with, with the eyes of we are never. Okay, we've reached the end of the official 3 a.m. Okay. But we simply sh- shall not forget the last two songs. Because yes. imagine I, I, I don't think we need to cover either the Karma remix or the Snow on the Beach no, remix. No, we do not. They're not of my both, interest. No, they're both, both quite boring. Um, but we do need to briefly cover the two extra songs. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, just imagine the state of your DMs on TikTok, not Instagram, because she's currently banned from Instagram, as we all know. <laughs> so stressful. <laughs> so stressful. I can't believe that. Hits different. A thing that was released at the same time as Midnight's. Um, yeah. I mean, it's quite upbeat for a song that's basically like... <laughs> Here's the thing! It is the happiest song on the album. It sounds like, you know it's that so opening... It's so jolly! It's so jolly. It sounds like the opening track from Red, where it's like... Driving in was like a Maserati, blah, blah, blah. It's oh fine. my, love is a lie. I'm cool with that. No problem. <laughs> it's for the song that has the most, like, oh no, my breakup lyrics... <laughs> It is like you want to crank it driving yeah. down like with a top down on a convertible down an American highway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. It's like it's like a Bruce Springsteen song. This is like if you just were to see the lyrics and never hear it, you would not think about the the song you would imagine would not sound the way it sounds. It's right. so poppy. It's so yeah. Okay, so take us through some of the lyrics of this delightful song <laughs> about heartbreak. This delightful upbeat. Yeah. Very silly song. Sounds like you, like you could have it in an advert for jeans. Do you know what you I mean? fully can, and it probably will. Um, <laughs> you made a mess of me. I pictured you with other girls in love, then threw up on the street. <laughs> like, if you are throwing up out of heartbreak, you are feeding. Yeah, whereas, like, totally, like, think of this in comparison to Lavender Haze. Yeah. Supposedly a song about being in love with a man. And it's like so dour and yeah. maroon, which is so dour. And this song about like the her Emma, leaving Joe Elwin and having breakfast with the Hay sisters. Is dissociating <laughs> in this song. Yeah. She is in that bit, which we, again, I say we have all, I've been there, where people are like, wow, something bad's happened. You're like, it's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. It's actually quite funny if you think about it that my life is totally, totally. And she drops in things like, now the sun burns my heart and the sand hurts my feelings. If sand is hurting your feelings, you are not okay. It's so, yes. This is something that we got back to in um when we were doing sentimental in the city season two of sex and city which is when big has big and carrie mm. have broken up for the first time and she's the hottest she's ever looked she's out all the time or she's sleeping and it's and like she's like going out with the new yankee and it's like walking up to people and being like hey what's up kiss <laughs> me on the mouth yeah she's and like it's that vibe and it's such a recognizable vibe yes i've been there i'm sure you have been there oh yeah where it's like 
So much just happened that I'm bulletproof. Nothing can hurt me. Who wants to stab me in the arm? <laughs> Does everyone want to drink for seven days? <laughs> yeah. Shall we go on a big holiday? Yeah, yeah. I might just move to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I it's, love it. I relate. It's just, it's an incredibly upbeat song. And actually, there is a really interesting, I've just realised the bridge. I heard your key turning the door down the hallway. Is that your key in the door? Is it okay? Is it you? Or have they come to take me away? To take me away? Yeah. <laughs> she knows. She, because that's the thing. She but was, it's, it sounds like a fucking nutter. Or like, she does. Like your most unhinged friend being like, yeah, we were going for six years and he moved out, but it's fine. I don't actually want to talk about it. Who wants to go on Tinder? <laughs> We can make a joint profile and advertise ourselves as two single women. He wants to do Go Ape this weekend. Go Ape. Who wants it's, to do Hoopla? It's, and like, let's just be clear that the, the uh, what is it, the kind of clothesline is hits different because it's you. Who? Joe Alwyn, that's who. That's who it's about. So I don't have much to say about it other than it's interesting that she released it. I mean, there, there's no meta textual stuff to get into because the text is right there. And speaking of the text is right there, the song that she released just this week, You're Losing Me. Which I think is on Tidal, Tidal. maybe. And I think this one is the, like, let's be clear, even if you hadn't heard this glorious first podcast. Even if you lived thesis, in a cave and you only, <laughs> you, got, you got post of Taylor Swift releases to your cave. Even if you never. You'd be like, oh, I see she broke up. <laughs> if you never heard of Taylor Swift in your whole life and you heard this song, you'd be like. Oh, it sounds like she's going through a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> and that is this song. Um, because every single line in it, li- lining? Lining. Line in it. Line in it is about the end of a relationship. It's sad. Stop, you're losing me. I can't find a pulse. My heart won't start anymore for you because you're losing me. This is it. So this is like when you come off the sort of weird, giddy, fucked up high of hits different. Mm. And then you're just like, yeah, you're alone with mm. your feelings. And, and, and also this thing of um, the, wor- the worst part of a relationship is not the breakup, but the seven weeks before the breakup of like, yeah. it's over. We both know it's over. You have. And, and do you remember we spoke about in the last episode about how men who they. The thing of women having to break up with themselves. Yeah. Men who just keep behaving more and more badly until the woman says, this is this is over, isn't it? And then that's generally when the death rattle comes around mm-hmm. and they will be like, no, no, we can fix this. You know, I've booked a villa in France. <laughs> um, and, and this is the moment where it's like, you've left, you've, you've done a bunch of fucked up things in a row that you, to upset me. Mm. Uh, and now you are suddenly coming around with the Airbnb reservations and it's too late. I am dead. She's gone. I've lost everything. And she has used the metaphor of death. <laughs> Literal death. She's literally... Because we didn't get it with the uh, World no, War One metaphor. My heart... But she literally says, my heart won't start anymore. More. All I did was bleed as I tried to be the bravest soldier fighting in only your army front lines. Don't you ignore me. Like, she's gone back to the war metaphors. Yeah. And she's like, I am now dying. I'm literally just cannon fodder for you. And I think it's just like that thing you said about the sort of... She's there asking... I'm fading, thinking, do something, say something. I'm taking out the word babe because I cannot bring myself to say it. But she puts babe in there. Do something, say something, lose something, risk something, choose something. I got nothing. Like she's like, yeah. this, is, this is not I'm losing you. This is you're, you're losing, losing me. me. Oh. And 
I feel like, I don't know when she wrote this song because we can't assume she wrote it six months ago. She could have written it, frankly, she could have written it last Wednesday. Mm. You know, she's she's fast. <laughs> or she could have written it later after she released Midnight. But there's also this line, which I know because Instagram has been serving me a lot of content about this, but the line in the bridge, I wouldn't marry me either a pathological people pleaser who only wanted you to see her. And we go back to Lavender Hayes and we go back to yeah. The Bride. And then I did see this again. I don't want to go too swifty, but I saw that she spoke in one of her little bits, between bits at concerts, mm. where she said something like, oh, I often um, women's explain to straight men how to apologise to a woman. And then she said something like, and I'm trying to quote it, um, just like, uh, I'm like, oh, this is how to propose, it's not that hard. This is how to get one back, it's not that hard. And then she kind of did like that face of like, oh. I'm spilling some tea here. And it just, it just feels like, oh. he opted out and she was like. Do you think they had some tense proposal conversations? I think they did. Um, I think they probably did have some tense proposal conversations. <laughs> I whispered that, I'll say it again. I think they probably did have some tense proposal conversations. And I think this is a real confessional piece where she's just like, the cat's out of the bag. And I'm going to release a song about it because she is an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I wouldn't marry me either. A pathological people pleaser. That is horrifying. It's horrifying. <laughs> oh no. And I just. I'm very sad for her. And yeah, we're well beyond the point where I can be like, I'm just theorizing that maybe this album is about breaking up with Joel, but it's obviously about it, and this song confirms it for me. And. Oh yeah, I think we're not coming back into this room no. to gloat about how we were right. I mean, we are a little bit. <laughs> we are a little bit. But, like, you know. I know, I just, it's just... How long could we be a sad song till we were too far gone to bring back to life? I gave you all my best me's, my endless empathy. This is like, she's just, she is just fully like opening her chest here. And what's interesting is that this is her only public statement of her mm, own This breakup. is a public statement. She's not made yeah. a statement, but this is, this is essentially it. Which is, I think as a celebrity, a very powerful mm. thing to do. Because what you're doing, is you're not raising a statement for the people who like don't give a fuck about your music but yeah. read the Daily Mail. What you're doing is, the only people who I, I want to respond to on this is the millions of people who listen to my music yeah. very closely. Who will go on Tidal or whatever it's on. Yeah. And will listen to it and be like, she has released a statement and the statement is... Um, yeah. That I he, wouldn't marry me either because I'm a pathological people pleaser apparently. Yeah. You can be so much more shady in a song than you can in a public statement as well. We have to be That's, like yeah. mm, conscious and coupling, blah 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 blah. This is her this is her statement. This is her press statement. Yeah. It's very satisfying. Like we'll never know the ins and outs of everything that happened. Until the time capsule is released. Now. Until the time and the- we get it in a seance from my great great nibblings <laughs> who will contact me. They will. They will. Or I'll haunt them. And not in a cutesy way. Not in a cutesy way. If it's 100 years from now. If your infant nephew is listening. And your surname is County and you haven't told me in a seance, I'm coming back for you. And what's good is that these podcasts will be archived and then there'll be a sort of a, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The British Museum. Yeah, they'll be there. You'll like walk into a room and this will play. Mm-hmm. 100%. It'll be like the Rosetti exhibition at the Tate right now. It'll just be us two 
saying shit. <laughs> saying fucking shit. Um, that does bring us to the end of the midnights. It does. And I just... Any stray thoughts? <sighs> Anything we could have possibly not said? Probably, and I'm sure you'll edit it carefully to make sure we don't say it. Um, I just think this is a phenomenal album, I'll be honest. Like, when it first came out, I really enjoyed it. But it's now a, it's a, it's a firm favourite for me. And I think, it, I think it is a real work of art in every bit of it. Every bit. Even Glitch? Even the Karma remix? Do you know what? The Karma remix. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> the Karma remix um, you have hidden from my Spotify so that it can't play it. You can do that? You can just press hide song and if it's on like a shuffle or it's on like a ring, it just won't play. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com